celebrity Let your weary mind be free And someone kind of famous who you can't see It's time for sleeping with celebrity Hello, sleepyheads, and welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities. I'm John Moe. I'm glad you're here. On this audio program, we invite our guests to step out of the limelight and step into the nightlight. On this show, for one bedtime, we ask them not to bring their A game, but rather their Z game. It's a podcast where you can sleep you can simply relax. You can take a break from intensity itself. Just ahead, we'll be sleeping with Susan Orlean, and she's going to talk with me about organization. Before all that, I invite you to settle in and get comfortable while I tell you about another show on the Maximum Fun Network where we have the maximum amount of fun permissible. This program is called Reading Glasses. It is a show designed to help you read better, no matter what you read or how you read it. Dedicated to solving all your reader problems, like figuring out how to get a book back from someone who borrowed it and isn't returning it in a timely manner, or finding the best reading light, or helping you find more time to read. This is a program all about reading. Perhaps reading is something you also like to do before falling asleep. So tune in to Reading Glasses. It's hosted by Bria Grant and Mallory O'Meara every Thursday on Maximum Fun or wherever you get Say it with me, your podcasts. And now for our guest, our bedmate for the evening. On her website, which you can verify yourself by typing in susanorlean.com into your web browser, Susan Orlean describes herself thusly, I'm an author, a staff writer for The New Yorker, a dog owner, a gardener, a parent, a frequent lecturer, speaker, an occasional teacher, a very occasional guest editor, a once-in-a-blue-moon movie inspiration, and doodler. Now, if I were Susan Orlean, and listener, let's be clear, I am not, the first line of my bio would be, Meryl Streep played me in the movie Adaptation which is based on a book that I, Susan Orlean, wrote. That's what I would say, but dear listeners, Susan Orlean is not as insufferable as the John Moe Susan Orlean would be, and for this we are all grateful. Susan, welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities. I'm thrilled to be with you. Now, I need to stipulate up front that I do have some concern because you have a history of making seemingly banal things very interesting, like libraries and celebrity dogs. I'll do my best to keep 
my obsession with organizing um, as banal as humanly possible, though I have to admit, I find it fascinating. It's a topic that, I mean, in a way you are indulging me in my greatest fantasy because I don't get to talk about this very much. And it is very, very meaningful to me. I spend a lot of time thinking about it, a lot of time doing it. When I'm home alone, the first thing I think about is organizing a closet, a cabinet, a drawer. It's very challenging for me because I live with two very disorganized people, namely my husband and my son. So I can't talk about it with them and they don't understand why I find this one of the most interesting things I can spend my time doing. The other day I realized that actually what I do as a writer is not that different from my obsession with organizing. Namely, I take lots of disparate items factual items, interviews, conversations. And I organize them in a way that makes sense and is accessible. And so even though this may seem like an odd thing for me to have as a preoccupation, I, I see the overlap. I think there is overlap. You can take thoughts and put them into neatly labeled small boxes, metaphorically. Exactly. And, and boxes that compel the reader to open one box and then the next box. But writing nonfiction, really organizing is critical. It's all about organizing. Yeah. What is either your favorite part of your house to organize or the most recent part of your house that you've made an effort to organize? Well, we actually recently had a, a little mini crisis that oh. uh, caused me to reorganize something, which is we have very deep drawers in our kitchen. And mm. I had one very deep drawer that I kept a lot of serving pieces in, platters and bowls and that sort of thing. Uh-huh. And I one day leaned down to open that drawer and it wouldn't open because one mm. of the items in the drawer had flipped up and gotten stuck. Formed a barricade. Yes. A wedge, as if you were locking a door in an old castle. Exactly. And we jiggled the drawer, thinking, oh, we'll give it a little jiggle and the thing will fall down. Well, the jiggling did not do the trick. So we jiggled a little harder. We failed to succeed. My son took a wire hanger and... Un, unwound it to create a long tool so that he could poke at the platter. 
And it made mm. me think he has a future as a car thief because he was quite adept at maneuvering this wire hanger. We couldn't get it out. And it really was a, a problem. We could not figure out how we were going to open this drawer. One of the options was to pull it so hard that the plate would break. It was a mm. ceramic platter. Those can be strong. Yeah. And, and also, it seemed kind of brutal to do that. Yeah. We finally had um, a friend of ours who's a handyman came over and using a camera. It was a little like laparoscopic surgery. Uh-huh. He used this little camera to look in the drawer and see the platter and push it so it finally fell down and the drawer was released. Wow. The end game of this episode was realizing that, number one, the drawer had too much in it. And mm. number two, it was completely chaotic and just this jumble of stuff, which a jumble of stuff to me is very... Maybe that I'm a little tiny bit OCD. I find, mm. I don't think I'm really, but I find disorganization very unsettling. And this was just a mess of stuff, bigger platters on smaller platters and bowls, and it was just a mess. Oh. So... Given the spanking we had gotten with this little problem, I set out to reorganize the drawer. And, and it, was, it was challenging because you get all of these different shapes and they don't really nest well. And it's hard to come up with categories to say, well, I'm going to have only green platters and I don't have enough shelves and drawers to do that. So I had to somehow designate this drawer as a certain, holding a certain kind of thing in a way that would be memorable that we would know that's the drawer with such and such but also it, it's a little like a game of tetris where mm. you're piling these randomly shaped serving pieces in such a way that is orderly and that is going to be um when you look at it you can figure out what's in the drawer so that was my first, uh, my most recent organizing challenge that came about through crisis. When you needed to designate what was going to go in the drawer, how did you, how did you gather your, um, how did you you gather the candidates, and how did you winnow down this uh, pageant to do, to find a winner? Uh, to receive the new home of the drawer? That's a great question because my feeling is if there isn't 
intellectual rigor in your organizing, it's a failure. Mm. By the way, I really do feel that I missed my calling by not being a, an organizer, a professional organizer, because I feel not only passionate about it, I have a lot of, um, you know, philosophical kind of underpinning to my thinking. Yeah. But in this case, I thought this will be a drawer of all glass or metal, no ceramic, no wood, but just glass platters or metal platters. And I feel like that is logical and memorable. Mm -hmm. You'd go, oh, I'm looking for that glass platter. I have a lot of, um, I have a lot of serving pieces because we, we entertain a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are certain kinds of things I like to collect, you know, vintage ceramics and stuff. So I have a lot of this stuff. But the key principle that kind of compels me in my organizing is that if you can't find something, if you don't immediately know where it is, you might as well throw it out. Oh, if you, if you can't identify it? No, I guess what I mean is think of a library without the Dewey Decimal System. Okay. A book just gets shelved randomly. The library mm. will end its usefulness basically immediately. Because you would have to look at every book in the entire library to potentially find the book you wanted. Exactly. If it's even there. Exactly. And, you know, for a library, a <clears throat> book that's misshelved is basically as if the book had been burned. It's the chance of finding it then relies entirely on accident. Yes. And I... When I was working on my book about the L.A. library, I went to a library, um, I can't remember where it was, but they had put magnetic barcode, or not magnetic, barcodes in every mm -hmm. book. And they had a machine that organized the books by reading the barcode. So mm -hmm. when books were returned, they were just thrown into this giant, it was like a dumpster almost. And mm. then this mechanical arm would come down and read the barcode and pick up the book and, you know, put it on a trolley to take it to the right place in the library. And I said to the librarian, what if the barcode would fall off? Mm. or the machine malfunctioned and she really was stricken you know she just said oh my god don't even talk about it um because if if the book can't be found the library might as well not have the book right this is now i have to make a confession which I'm hoping if my husband is listening to this podcast, he's fallen asleep already. 
Right. But he is very disorganized. And Uh. when he goes out of town, I will often take one of his piles of flotsam and jetsam and try to sort it out and organize it. And sometimes I'm very liberal about throwing things out because I feel like he effectively has thrown it out by having it in this chaotic pile. He has unbarcoded library books, essentially. Yeah, yes. And so since he can't find the things that are in the pile, they're as good as gone. Mm. So why not make them gone, gone? Exactly. Are you teaching him a lesson by doing that, or are you simply tidying up? I am tidying up, and... Now, what I will do, and just so I make sure you don't think I'm abusive, but for instance, if there's a scrap of paper with a phone number, I will take a picture of it and Mm. I have it for him, but it's in a pile of shirts and used boarding passes from flights he took two years ago and so on and so forth. So if he were to say, gee, I wonder where that phone number is, he would never find it. Never. So I am, when I see something that I think he actually might need, I try to do something like take a picture of the phone number. But, you know, use boarding passes, I feel, you know, entirely justified in throwing out. There's no utility that those could possibly have. I guess they could be sentimental if you feel that a business trip to Detroit is something you want to feel sentimental about. But um, I think it's more um, pack ratty or... He just doesn't think about it. And I, I mean, I, because I believe so firmly that if you don't know how to find something, you, you effectively don't have it. Mm. Then I, I kind of see this as a salvage operation, really. Mm. Right. You're, you're reclaiming the, the empty, cubic footage of your home? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that's for sure a big motivation. And for the last um for the last few months, I've been organizing our basement. And you know, for some people, I think organizing is hell. You know, they just feel like it's daunting and horrible and I find it very calming. I find it sort of meditative and zen, and I'm serious. I really, really enjoy it. My favorite, favorite tool is my label maker. 
Oh. Tell me about that machine. What kind of label maker do you have? I have a little brother uh, label maker. It's an, a, an older model that you don't... The newer ones, you type what you want printed on your phone, and it's very fancy. I have an older one where it's a looks like a little adding machine, and you type in what you want your label, and then it makes a very pleasing little grumbling noise, and it spits out your label. Mm. You have about four or five different fonts, um, five or six different sizes of the letters. So there's a little bit of creativity involved in deciding what you want your label to look like. But nothing pleases me more than printing out on a little piece of white vinyl with black letters the name of the thing that I am putting on a shelf that now is is really neatly labeled and identified. I don't know where I'd be without my label maker. It's like your own version of the Dewey Decimal System. Yeah, exactly. If you were gifted an oil painting of Melville Dewey himself, would you know where in the house you would want to place it? I would put it near a bookshelf. I think that would be really nice, really appropriate. And, and I, you know, all hats off to him. I mean, we, we owe him a lot. He's a hero. In the organizational community? Yes, and beyond. And beyond. Yeah, right. I think his, his, you know, impact is felt globally. So let's let's return to your basement. How do you limit your organizational efforts to one part of the house? And I ask this because when I've tried to organize, I'll find something and say, well, that belongs in a little box in the bedroom. And so I'll take it to the bedroom and then I'll say, well, now I need to organize the bedroom. And then it connects to another room and soon... I'm overwhelmed and I, I shut down and I, I have to take a, a rest. Yeah, I think that's a very common experience because um, it can be very overwhelming to organize and it doesn't exist in a vacuum. And in fact, I have that same experience all the time where mm. I start on one small area of the house and then it, it kind of mushrooms because it just does because it connects to something in another part of the house. Well, number one, the best thing for, I think it's, it can be very hard to do a big organizing project on your own. Um, your mind will just kind of, loop out into, as you said, I'm working on the basement, but I this really belongs in the bedroom. But to put it in the bedroom, I need to organize the closet. And, and you know, and then you give up. Yes. If you have someone helping you, there's an element of, of, of sort of focus and discipline that 
comes to pass. But also starting small, small, small. Hmm. So I went down in the basement, which is pure chaos. It is a place where we've been putting things that we didn't know where else to put for several years and in a random, completely disorganized and kind of impenetrable pile. And I would walk in and think, I just can't, I can't, it's, it's too much. Yes. Um, so then I thought I've got to start small and this is, this is why this principle works for AA, it works for uh, exercise, it works for anything that's kind of overwhelming. You just have to start really small. Mm -hmm. So we have shelves in the basement, as well as some hooks on the wall and some closets built in. So I thought I'm going to start with one shelf. I'm going to put on my blinkers and do one shelf and just ignore the fact that there's all of this other stuff because I knew if I looked at the whole basement, I would say, I, I just, it's too much. I can't do it. Or I can't manage it. It's just too big. Right. So I started with one shelf and I thought on this shelf, I'm going to have the extra paper towels that we buy in large bulk at Costco. And so we store the extra ones in the basement and I'm going to get all the other stuff off the shelf and just make this the paper towel shelf. So it was a small hyper-focused and manageable challenge. Was part of the challenge then to find new homes for what had previously been on the shelf? Oh, sleepyheads, I wish to tell you once more about another podcast on the Maximum Fun Network, the network where we have the maximum amount of fun. This one is called Let's Learn Everything. And Let's Learn Everything is a podcast about science and a bit of everything else. It's hosted by three friends who are actual scientists. There's Tom, the American scientist, who studied cognitive and computer science, and two British scientists. Caroline has a master's in biodiversity conservation, and Ella has a PhD in stem cell biology. The three of them use their scientific training to learn about, well, everything. If you, dear listener, tuned into an episode, and you should, you could learn about such things as the history of fan fiction, emojis, things the British Museum stole, the science of perfect pitch. If you'd like to audit Let's Learn Everything, 
you can. New episodes come out every Thursday, right here on the Maximum Fun Network, or wherever you get your podcasts. Was part of the challenge then to find new homes for what had previously been on the shelf? Yes, and that is where most people spring a leak because they say, oh, there's a toy from my childhood that I kind of feel sentimental about that I was saving that is here on the shelf with the paper towels. So now I have to track off into this completely other universe of this is a sentimental keepsake. Where would I put sentimental keepsake? Should I keep it? Should I sell it? Maybe it's worth a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, two hours later, you are lost in a fugue state with your little toy. So instead, yes. my approach, and as I said, I... I may go pro with this, so mm. I'm giving this to you for free. I, what I do is, all right, here's this shelf. It's got some paper towels. It's got some toys. It's got some extra wine glasses that we don't use anymore. It's got a coffee maker that I don't really like. Each one of those things could be a day in itself right? to deal with. So instead, I take all of the orphaned items, put them in a grouping on the floor with a mental memo to be determined. Hmm. Don't address those now. My focus is just finding all the paper towels that are all over the basement and gather them up and put them on this one shelf. So you've got the clean shelf, but then you have a a cluttered floor. But I have, my floor is, it's an organized thoughtful clutter, which is these are things that require further attention. There's this um, technique in journalism, which I'm sure you're familiar with, when you, you need to add something and you put TK. Mm-hmm. You don't, so you're writing and you're flowing and you are writing a a section about when the United States was founded Mm -hmm. and you can't remember the year of the American Revolution. And instead of then stopping your flow and going and looking up this date, you just put TK, meaning to come. I don't know why they use a K, I think unless they spell come with a K. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I've never understood that. Me yeah. neither. I don't, I really wonder. But, and maybe it means something else, but it essentially is a placeholder. Right. It right. sort of says, I'm aware that I have to deal with this. 
But right now what's important is my flow. I'm not going to interrupt. So if I say I want the result to be a organized shelf with all of our extra paper towels, that is my flow. The little clown toy that was from my childhood. By the way, these are all real examples. examples. Yeah. Which, first of all, I thought, what is my little clown toy doing on this shelf with the paper towels? Very mysterious. But if I then say, huh, I wonder what I should do with this little clown toy. Would it look cute up in the house or hey, maybe this is worth a lot of money. Maybe I should just sell it. I'm not that sentimental. Let me Google this. That two hours go by, you're exhausted, and you have a mess. Mm -hmm. So I think to help, you have to set first a, a kind of workflow My goal is to get all the paper towels onto this one shelf and everything else can be put in this TK pile. On the floor. On the floor or in a box. Mm. Do not go down the rabbit hole of the clown toy. In fact, I'm going to have bumper stickers made. Do not go down the rabbit hole of the clown toy. I'm making a note for the title of this episode. Do do not go down the rabbit hole of the clown toy. All right. Um, So then does the pile on the floor or in the box simply grow as you move on to other shelves? It does. Although if my next shelf is going to be sentimental doodads, then the clown toy comes out of the box, the TK box, and now has a home. Mm. Or you begin looking at that box of TK items, and you say, you know, I have not seen this clown toy in 25 years because it was with the paper towels. I didn't miss it. Right. Maybe it's time for the clown toy to be free, to go on and live another life elsewhere. Do you, Susan Orlean, think clowns are getting a bad rap in that it seems like 15, 20 years ago, the world decided clowns were actually scary and not hilarious and delightful. Do you think it's unfair? Well, first of all, it's true. They are scary. Hmm. So I guess I'm coming at this from another angle. I think they, they're terrifying. Okay. Um, and I think we've just outed them as being terrifying. The pasted on smile, mm. the grease paint skin texture, it's, it's horrible. What about 
the clown at the end of the circus who sweeps up the spotlight into a small little bit in the middle of the stage and then puts it in his pocket and that marks the end of the circus. Is he scary? No, and you make a good point. He is um, charming, poignant, tragic. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. clowns are many things, but funny is not one of them. Susan, I don't mean to alarm you, but I did just receive an update from my producer, Laura Swisher, that we have in fact gone down the clown rabbit hole. Oh, see? Yeah. So this is what I mean. Yeah. You know, we have basically lived exactly what I was warning you about. Yeah. We've been lured down a rabbit hole by clowns. And then we existed in their clown rabbit hole. And, you know, I would think you would agree with me that now... We've kind of explored the whole question of clowns, and and it's sort of draining. It's a it's an emotional, difficult subject, and many people would now say, "Time for a little lie down," Mm, and forget the paper towel shelf. Is I just can't even address that issue. How much of the basement have you completed your organizational? Uh, project for? I've done about a third. Um, and it, it really has been a very big task. I, I mean, imagine, first of all, it's not a big basement. So navigating within it is challenging because it was just overstuffed. And for five years, we've lived in this house for five years, and for five years, whenever there was something where you would think, hmm, not quite sure where to put this or what to do with this little, just stick it in the basement. In fact, this very morning, my husband suggested we have a rug that my um, cat had peed on, and it really needs to be cleaned. And my husband said, well, we'll just put it in the basement. And I thought, no, 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 no. It's going immediately to the rug cleaner. But the basement was, anyway, to return to your question, I've gotten about a third of it done. And it gives me so much pleasure that I feel like, it, it makes me happy. It makes me feel calm. It really does. It makes me feel, I think, organizing can make you feel in control. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel like, well, I know how many paper towels I have. Because they all live on a shelf, and I can go down there and count them. And it, it's a feeling of life is orderly and logical, and 
manageable. Mm. And I think I really am happiest when I feel that. But I, I feel like it, it, it is the parallels with writing are undeniable. I think if I feel that I've organized five years of research and reporting in a way that is logical and manageable and accessible and artful, I feel I've succeeded. Mm. And in this, now this is not why I like organizing my basement, but I often have thought to myself, why do I enjoy organizing so much? And I thought, well, I guess it's just the, my brain structure. I think I find it very, very comforting and calming and pleasing to feel like I, I know what I have. I know how to find it. Is the opposite true? If you have a disorganized space, do you feel agitated? Do you feel depressed? What, what, what does that feel like? I do. I feel exactly those two things. I feel agitated and um, I, I think it's, is this um, known as the pathetic fallacy that the exterior and my interior get muddled. So if I'm in a room or my desk is chaotic and messy and I, I don't know where anything is, I feel upset. And then mm. I feel, if I'm upset, I get depressed. I feel, uh. I, I feel, it feels out of control to me. Now, mm. I am not like weird and anal. I want to make that point. And, you know, you can probably catch a little glimpse here of my desk. It's not, it's not as if everything is in intense little piles that are precise. It's not. It's not slovenly. No. It's. I know. I mean, it is a little bit messier than I like right now, but I am not anal in the sense that I don't colorize the books on my shelf, for instance. Right. And I, but it's about access. I need to know how to find the things that I have. So being in a room, if my bedroom is really messy and things are kind of all over the place, I feel agitated by it. I do. I, I don't enjoy it. Have you ever gone to the container store and shopped around and come out only to realize that it's years later and years of your life have been lost in this place? I have been... Um, I have an apartment in the container store because so many years oh. had gone by that they just decided to... Organize a little space for you. Right. But 
I feel it's both a good thing and a bad thing that the closest container store to me is a little bit of a drive. So I mm. I can't go there. Um, it's not far. It takes about 20 minutes to get over there. But it's far enough that I can't go every day just to f- sort of stroke the bins and baskets and labels and boxes. So I, I treat it as um, kind of a, it, it, it's a little bit of a, a, a gift to myself. It's a little self-care. It's a treat. It's a sometimes food. Right. I mean, it, if I live too close, it would be like working in a bakery. You know, it would right. just be too much. Um, right. This way, I look forward to it. I think about it. Um, and, you know, the container store maybe purposefully has um, extremely expensive shipping. So it really is not smart to shop online for the Mm -hmm. container store because they charge so much to ship their stuff. But you, you also don't get that visceral thrill of, you know, finding a really good Lucite container Mm -hmm. that would just be perfect for those cool little package clips that you found. When you find the perfect container, when you find a coveted container, is your thought, this will bring me joy or this will relieve agitation? Joy. Now, it is true that it relieves some anxiety, some agitation, but I take great, great pleasure. The container store for a while, I'm not sure they still carry them, had these brightly colored but transparent lucite boxes that Mm. came in every different size. I think they were from Sweden, which makes sense because the Swedes are very organized. And I bought millions of them. And one of the things I did was take ugly um, bathroom supplies, such as Advil, and Mm. take the Advil out of the ugly Advil container and decant the Advil into one of these very attractive Lucite boxes. And then I took my labeler and made a very nice label saying ibuprofen. And next to it, in a different colored Lucite container, Tylenol. And it is so pleasing. It's so beautiful. I feel really happy. 
partly I don't like ugly commercial packaging, but it sits very, very nicely on the shelf. It's very easy to find. It makes me really happy. So that's an instance where it was, it didn't agitate me to have a, a ibuprofen container, but it makes me very happy to have it in a really nice Lucite box. Clearly labeled. Very clearly labeled. Final question, Susan. For the disorganized person looking to take the leap into organized living, are there three items you would recommend that they acquire to help them on this journey? Absolutely. Number one, the label maker. A must. And when you say you had a little brother label maker, brother is the brand and little is your own descriptor. It's not a brand name, little brother label maker. Although I kind of like the idea of a brand called little brother. (laughs) Little brother. (laughs) No, brother, which also makes computer printers and so forth. They make a very nice label maker, but that's essential. Number one. Number two, plastic bins. I highly recommend IKEA Mm. because they're very reasonably priced and sturdy and good. And get bins that are not really big because if you have a giant bin, basically you are asking for chaos. Oh, because it's too big. You need smallish bins. Then the other tool that I recommend is, and I buy these by the gross, the container store has plastic shoe boxes that mm. are a great size for organizing millions of things in your house. It's just, a, it's about the size of a shoebox. And we didn't even get into me telling you about my shoes. Um, oh, yeah. Which is I where I really am at my absolute peak of my powers. But we can save that for another podcast. And people are in awe in awe when they see my shoes. Should I give you a hint? Yes, please. Okay, I use these plastic, you know, I have a lot of shoes, as many people, especially females, have lots of shoes. And I put them in one of these container store plastic shoe boxes, and I recommend container store because they're the right size. Then I take a photo of the shoes and I tape the photo on the end of the box. Oh. So at a glance, I can see what shoes are in the box. And does this sound like I'm absolutely out of my mind? Perhaps, but I am very calm when I go 
looking for a pair of shoes because it's essentially a library of shoes organized in the Orlean decimal system, which is visual. And all I have to do is think I'm wearing an outfit that's orange and pink. So let me look. Oh, I forgot I have these orange shoes. This will be perfect. Pull them out of my stack. Mission accomplished. I am so happy when I look at my shoe library. You don't need a library card. Don't need funding from the city or county. No, you don't need to speak in a quiet voice. You can go in there and check out your shoes, return them within 24 hours, all good. But that's a, um, so those shoe boxes, now I obviously use them for my shoes, but they're also, we organize our tools, like our, all the tools you keep around the house in these shoe boxes, because they're just a great size. Mm. But you do need, you do need equipment to, um, to organize, you do. You don't need some of the goofy, expensive stuff that people try to sell you, but you do need good, sturdy, functional items in which to put your belongings, Mm -hmm. and you need your label maker. And then you're good to go. I also would suggest um, Sharpies. Sure. You always need Sharpies. And then I think you're you're pretty well stocked. You don't want to get seduced by getting too much equipment because then that's another rabbit hole. That's like a clown doll. Yeah. You know, you can then say, well, I can't organize the basement until I get the right shape, size, whatever container or fancy gizmo you you go basic go simple pure functional that's the key avoid the clown rabbit hole get your label maker get your container store shoe boxes get your ikea bins basic simple pure functional Susan Arlene, thank you so much for sleeping with us this week. I cannot tell you how much joy I've gotten out of this conversation and um, how I could talk for several more hours if you would let me. But what I'm hoping is that, that everyone has drifted off and wakes up feeling compelled to organize. I will say right now, we would like to invite you to come back on the program when this can be arranged, we can make an entire series out of the Susan Orlean organizational project. I would love that so much. You, you don't even know, like this is catnip, catnip. Susan Orlean. Good night. Sleep tight. Well, sleepyheads, I hope you enjoyed learning about organization 
with Susan Orlean as much as I did. You know, something I like to do at the end of my day is make a mental catalog of things that I experienced and or learned that day. So, if it's all right with you, I'm going to make a list of takeaways from my conversation with Susan Orlean right now while they're still fresh in my mind. One, for huge organizational undertakings, you can always start by focusing on one small thing, like a shelf. Two, a guiding organizational principle, according to Susan, is if you can't find something, you might as well throw it out. Three, we owe Mr. Dewey a lot in the organizational community and beyond. Four, buying a giant plastic storage bin is just asking for chaos. And five, and most importantly, don't go down the clown toy rabbit hole. Ugh. Okay, well, I'm going to turn in myself. Thank you for sleeping with me and Susan Orlean. You can follow Sleeping With Celebrities on both Twitter and TikTok with the handle at sleepwithcelebs. On Instagram, the handle is, for some reason, at sleepwcelebs. Our email is sleepwithcelebs at maximumfun.org. If you use that email, it will come straight into my email box, and I will read it. Social media assistance is provided by Charlie Moe. Our production intern is Clara Flesher. This show was senior produced and edited by Laura Swisher. Swish. Music for this program provided by the Winterbowers. This program is a production of Maximum Fun and Papa Chick. I'm John Moe. Night-night. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist-owned. Audience-supported.